0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Uh, so today, well, all right, before I even start, I want more people to yell out, Amen. I want more people to yell out, come on. <laughs> I want more people to yell out, bring it! bring it. Because it's encouraging and I like it. And I hear from people all the time. They're like, I wanted, to, I wanted to yell out amen, but I'm like, do it. I like that. I love it. I want some more of it. All right, hey, let's start with a photo. Uh, this picture is uh, this is known as a tensegrity table, tensegrity. Uh, it is also known as an impossible table. Um, you can see that it's basically two pieces of wood, but the top one is floating, and it can actually hold weight. It, you could put a plant on there, you could put some, quite a few pounds of weight on it. This is happening because of tension. Uh, there are chains on it that are pulling in several different directions, and the tension on each one of them is causing the top piece to look like it's floating impossibly. It's, it's, it's all because of tension, where the two things are working against each other at an exactly equal amount. And so this one is trying to fall, but it can't because it has, it has this thing pulling up on it, This one can't rise because it has this thing pushing down on it. It's just kind of, today we're going to talk about tension. Uh, Some people I know hate tension. Uh, They despise it in any situation. That if there's any kind of tension whatsoever with people or a situation, they really just can't handle it. Where they're like, I just, ah. Tension is uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. Um, Today, what the topic is about is the the tension between grace and truth. Um, Sometimes you could go to a church that is all about truth. And this might be a place that is very judgmental. It might be a place that is very harsh. It might be a place that is um, not very warm and inviting. It, It might be a place that talks more about hell Than heaven. It might be a place that talks more about the end times than Jesus because they're in a place where they're so committed to the truth, they're forgetting the grace part. You might go to another church that's all about the grace and they're all smiley and it doesn't really matter what you do. They're just like, oh, God will forgive you. He loves you. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. He loves you just the way you are. No, he doesn't. He loves you. He loves you so much he's not willing to leave you where you are. He loves you so much he wants you to grow and move forward and not stay the same. Let's jump in. John chapter 1, it says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, grace and truth. John 13, it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. That's how they will know we are Christians. Uh, They won't know you're a Christian because of your gold cross. I've been seeing some gold crosses on some questionable characters lately. (laughs) (laughs) They won't know what your belief status is if you're a Christian based on what you do on Sunday mornings or based on your bumper stickers, not the kind of family you were born into. It's not the fact that you were baptized. You know, I know multiple people I've met over the years who they believe that they're going to heaven because their mom was religious. That don't work. If you're in here and you think that, that don't work. He says, you'll be my disciples when you love one another. You'll be my disciples when you love people the way that I did. How did Jesus love people? he actually loved them messy. It was really messy. Um, it wasn't clean. It was it was stuff that made people mad all the time. It was also inconsistent. To some people, he would love them in this way. To others, he would love them entirely. It, it was he didn't have any kind of um, he didn't have any kind of system. Sometimes his love seemed like it was unfair. Uh, He would heal certain people, and then there would be somebody right next to them in the same town, and he would say, I have to move on to Jerusalem. I have to move on. And he would leave. And so the love would feel unfair sometimes. His love was confusing sometimes. The reason that is is because there's a tension. There's tension in the love of Jesus. When you try to love like Jesus... It has to be a complete mix of grace and truth. Because do we really love people if we're not telling them the truth when they need it? If we're the person who's set up to do that, you might not be the person who's set up to do that, but you know that sometimes you're the person that is set up to talk to them. And is it love if we don't tell them the truth? Is it love if we just give them grace and pretend that They don't need to work on this thing. It is love when we forgive them for things they did. It is love when we tell them the truth. The best compliments that I ever get, for me, the ones that actually kind of fill me up, are when people say, oh, man, I hated that message. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I came. I'm like, what? (laughs) Or like... Oh my gosh, that was super hard to hear, but I'm glad I heard it. Or that message slapped me right across the face. Thank you. What do these Tension. Tension that there's this thing that's going on where I hate that, but also I know I needed to hear it. And also maybe this encourages me to, to take a step in a different direction. And even if it's painful, it is leading to something good. We read a couple verses from the book of John. Uh, John was a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, he's the one who wrote the Gospel of John. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, John is the one that I always say, he has the most flowery language. He has the, he's, he's more descriptive. He has a lot more adjectives in his book. Um, he talks primarily about love and belief. His is the more warm and fuzzy of the Gospels. Some of them are, are kind of harsh, but his is warm and fuzzy. John um, was a survivor. Um, almost everybody who followed Jesus was killed. Uh, and so the Apostle Paul was most likely beheaded, they believe. Um, Peter was crucified upside down. Most of the early followers of Jesus were martyrs. But John was a survivor, and he grew to be an old man. And so about 40 to 45 years after Jesus had died, risen, ascended to heaven, 40 to 45 years later, John is still around, and Jesus had said he was going to return, but he didn't say when. And so John had to be like, so are you talking like Thursday? or What do I, what am I, like should I pack a A snack but Jesus didn't show up and so all of a sudden years go by um, and they're saying some people eventually come along and say hey John we appreciate all the things that you have taught us about what Jesus said and what he did uh, but you're getting really old now and you should probably write this stuff down and so he goes on to write what's known as the gospel of John It's stories and memories. Uh, It's it's a retelling of the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. He sits down, he writes this gospel, and he begins with this grand concept, this this huge picture that, that Jesus was like a word. So John writes that Jesus was a word. It says, and the word became flesh. The message translation of the Bible says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He sits down and writes this gospel, and he paints this picture that Jesus is a word, that God sent this word into the world, that this word became flesh, that this thing that is spoken into existence, a word, becomes flesh, and John shows this beautiful picture he describes it as if Jesus was the painter that there's a piece of art that's incredible and Jesus is the artist he describes it that Jesus it's like Jesus is painting this painting that's full of people and then once he gets done painting all the people he goes inside of the painting himself ...so that he can interact with the people. But the people didn't recognize him as the artist. As the one who painted all of them. And so they threw him out of the painting. Because they didn't know why he showed up. And what he was trying to do. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says... ...the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and camped out with us. He moved in with us. He lived with us. Um, He experienced the same joy and pain as us. Grace and truth is a thing that brings tension. Truth says... You're accountable for your actions and you need to own up to what you've done. Grace says, Well, but you're forgiven. Grace says, You're fine. You're not that bad. You're good. Jesus loves you. Truth says, No, you're not fine. Actually, you're broken in several different areas. And you need some work. Grace says everything's going to be okay though. Truth says "Eh, only if you work on it. It's not going to accidentally happen. Grace says no matter what you do, I love you. Truth says yes, but again you are responsible. I love you, but you're responsible for what you do. Everybody's personality leans one way or the other, doesn't it? Uh, When you were growing up, how many of you, you had one parent who was like Mrs. Grace and one parent that was Mr. Truth. Or maybe it was the other way around. Mr. Ungrace. He was all about truth or she was all about truth all the time that... (sighs) Which one did you like better, Gracie or Truthy? But if you grew up in a good home, you got a good dose of both of them. I want it to lean one way or the other. I like the verses that lean towards truth when it's me telling other people stuff. I like all the verses that are about grace when it's about me. (laughs) Jesus is filled with both of them, grace and truth. It's that I have to also... Except a full measure of both of them. John 1 says, "Out of his fullness we have received grace and place of grace already given. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that verse 17, "For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus." John chapter 4 says everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's talking about just regular H2O. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's not talking about hydration. He's talking about Salvation. That you'll never thirst again. For some of you, it would be that you'll never thirst again for a man to fulfill that need that you have. For some of you, it's that you'll never thirst again for that love that you're searching for um, and willing to um, lower your standards again and again and again and again and again because you just want to find somebody... Some of you are looking for a Boaz, but you're settling for a, like a broke (laughs) as, Like uh, a dumb (laughs) as, A lazy (laughs) as. Keep looking for Boaz. (laughs) See, this lady who was Over at this well that Jesus is talking to, he's saying, anybody who drinks from this is going to be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give them will not be thirsty again. This woman, it says that she left the well and she left her jar. That she went back into the town telling everybody that she'd met the long-awaited Messiah at the well. And that he, I mean, when she met with him, he, the entire time she's, She's kind of getting the business. Like Jesus is telling her that you, you're a sinner. You have done these different things. I, you've had this many husbands, right? <laughs> when are you gonna, st- is seven enough? It was seven. Six, but she, it was the current one, seven. Matthew traveled around with Jesus and his story, the one who wrote the gospel of Matthew. Matthew's story is that um, he was super truth, super truth-based in who he was. And so he hated tax collectors. Um, He he ruined people's reputations by pointing out the truth uh, if they were unscrupulous in any ways, um, he just he was he was the he was the truth he was the truth bringer but sometimes you need the grace bringer we've told the story before about the two thieves who were on crosses next to jesus when jesus was being crucified that there was one on his left and one on his right and these two thieves we don't really know what they did but we know that they were the worst of the worst because they were being crucified crucifixion cost The equivalent of thousands and thousands of dollars to pull off it wasn't like a free thing that took place multiple Roman soldiers had to carry the cross Uh, it was it was a big operation and so it was only um, it was only held for criminals that were absolutely horrible but these two criminals are hanging on crosses next to Jesus they say we're not worthy of being slaves We're not worthy to work in the mines. We're not worthy of rowing a Roman ship. Um, And one of the the men says, we're getting what we deserve. We're getting what we deserve. No argument here. I'm hanging on this cross. Yep, makes sense. Sounds about right. (laughs) I'm surprised I didn't end up on one of these earlier. Kind of guy. But he talks to Jesus and he says, is there any way that you can remember me? Once you hit paradise, and Jesus says today, when we breathe our last breath, uh, we'll be together. We'll be together in paradise. And so this man is forgiven. He doesn't have time to go and get baptized. He doesn't have time to... He doesn't say the prayer of salvation at the time. And yet he's forgiven. Is that fair? Is that fair that certain people... Certain people have to work hard for it. The rich young ruler is a story about someone who comes to Jesus. He is absolutely loaded. He has um, property. He has cattle. He has sheep. He has riches. And the only thing he doesn't have is peace in his heart. And so he hears about Jesus. He comes to him and he asks, uh, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you need to sell everything that you own. You need to sell. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes you're hanging on a cross and you just say, hey, Jesus, can I get in there? <laughs> That woman that we talked about uh, earlier at the well um, she was caught in adultery if you're not familiar with the story according to the law at that time she was to be put to death she was supposed to be stoned Uh, in that region they would dig a hole where you're put inside of it up to your waist and then they fill in around your waist so that you can't move or get out Um, and people throw rocks at you as big as they can hold um, until you're dead and so uh, she is supposed to be put to death, uh, and they're going to go ahead and stone her. Uh, and right before it happens, Jesus says, "Well, hey, who of you hasn't done something? How about whoever here is clean, you go ahead and throw the first stone? Anyone who believes they've, they've followed Moses' law completely and fully, then go ahead and kill her. Do it. Jesus looks at her. They, they, it says they start dropping their stones one by one. The oldest drop theirs first. Why do you think that is? They're like, oh. They got some skeletons. And they drop their stones and they walk away. And it's only her left there with Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and he says, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Go and leave your life of sin. I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Well, which one is it? Is it I don't condemn you or you're a sinner? Yes. Well, did you have to bring up the sin part? Yes. Yes. Then how can you say that she's not condemned? Jesus says, because this is how I love. There's a tension. There's a tension in it where there's grace and truth completely. He loved people by calling sin, sin, and then paying for it himself. He said, you don't have to pay for this. Basically, like, you're a moron, but you're my moron. (laughs) You know what I mean? The church is at its best when we do the same thing, when we embrace both grace and truth and refuse to let go of either of them. If any time we're leaning in one way or the other too much, um, we we need help. Romans 2, last one here. It says, You, therefore, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? That his kindness is what leads us to repentance, not his, it's not the truth part of it. Jesus came and made sure that we didn't receive the wrath of truth, And so we are able to lean into the kindness and the grace. And that's the thing that causes us to repent. If you're somebody who's, you're waiting to give your life to Jesus because you want to clean it up first in some way, um, you're missing the point. Um, Jesus wants you the way that you are right now. And... uh, You don't have to get anything cleaned up. He said, I'm not here for the clean. I'm here for the dirty. I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for the sick. So if you're you're waiting, if you're waiting, man, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us completely with grace and with truth. That you call us out for our stuff. That when we in, we invite you to say, "Come and search me, O oh God." That you reveal things to us. I thank you that we don't have to just sit in that place of being, um, of being that 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 person we don't want to be. And that we're immediately able to lean into that side of you that says, I love you no matter what. And I forgive you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never stop loving you. I'll never stop forgiving you. Thank you, Lord. You're the best, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you guys. I will see you all soon. Uh, If not before then, next Sunday. You guys have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.